Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be at today, and we've been going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. If you have a Bible, you can open it. Uh, otherwise, all the verses will be up here on the screen, and you can, uh, you can follow along. I know we've had a few uh, or several guests today that I got to meet. want to thank you guys for joining us. And a couple people told me, I asked them if it was their first time here, like, no, I was here last week and you weren't here last week. And so they're not first time guests. This, they're uh, second time guests, but good, whether you're first time guest, second time guest, or a regular attender, it's really good to see you today. What a beautiful day uh, that we have outside. And if you are a guest, um, take a moment, fill out that connection card. And on your way out, we have um, an offering box and just drop that card in there. Um, we don't, have, don't, don't want you to give any money, but we do ask if you would drop that card off. We want to send you something and just thank you uh, for being, being with us today. So Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to continue going through the book of Ephesians. And verse number 1 uh, says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So, Walking worthy of the vocation you're called. It gives, um, it really, go, in, in the Greek, it's talking about um, a, a weighted scale. The word walking worthy it is, is uh, referring to um, a weighted scale. And so what we've learned so far in Ephesians is about, it's all about our identity in Christ. That, that God, when he saves us, when we, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior... It's not just our tickets punched to go to heaven one day, though praise God for that promise, amen? Like we know that the best is yet to come, no matter what we face here. But it's far more than that. God saves us for his purpose, for his glory, and, and he has something that he has created you and he's created me for. And so, so in Ephesians 1 through 3, we've talked about our identity, all the blessings that we have because we're in Christ. Because our faith is in Christ, we are blessed and we are saved. We are forgiven. Uh, we have an inheritance that's waiting for us. We're sealed by God. We're kept by God. Uh, all of these wonderful blessings because of our identity in Christ. Well, 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 Paul's saying now, he's saying, okay, walk worthy of your calling. In other words, live in a certain way not to gain your salvation. That's by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ. We can't earn it. None of us deserve it. All those blessings are not because of our goodness. They're because of his grace. But Paul's saying this, because you're saved, because your identity's in Christ, now live in a way that equals, that balances who you are in Christ. Understand, and we said this, have said this repeatedly through Ephesians, that, that our, what we do is, should flow out of who we are in Christ, right? It's not about it's not about trying to earn God's love or favor or do enough good things to achieve achieve His love. Or once our our good outweighs the bad, then we're loved. No, because we're loved, we're accepted, we're chosen, we're in Christ. Live in a way now that matches, that balances who you are in Christ. And he says, goes on in verse two. He says, with all lowliness or humility. And meekness with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. So talking about having in our relationships, specifically within the church, but it applies to all our relationships, have an attitude of humility and patience, uh, giving grace to one another, loving one another. 
And psychiatrists talk about, um, about something called the harsh startup. We've talked about that a little bit before at some point, but how that like sometimes in our relationships and our conversations, there's a harsh startup. Our tone, our attitude is not one of, of humility, it's anger and it's pride. And there's that harsh startup in the conversation and, 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 and right off the bat, like it just goes off the rails because our attitude is just combative and it's, it's arrogant and it's angry. And, and so this is the opposite of that. This is giving grace to one another. This is being patient with people, loving people. And sometimes, sometimes the people closest to us are the hardest people to show that grace and that patience and that love. Sometimes the hardest place is, is in our marriages or with our children or with our coworkers, with people within the church, within the body. But, but our attitude should be one of patience and love forbearing one another. Verse three, it says endeavoring, or in other words, it means make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. That as a church, we should be making every effort to be at peace and, and to give grace to one another, that we should be unified. Now, for some of you who've just recently maybe come to faith in Christ, for some of you that are just, maybe you're, you're not even a believer yet and you've just come to Crosspoint or been going to church for a short time and, and are just are really just seeking and, 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 and unsure of that, maybe you've had very little experience within the church. And if that's you, I hope your experience has been really good. I hope that when you've come to the church, whether it's this, whether it's Crosspoint, whether it's another church, I hope your experience has been good where you come and you feel like I'm loved and this is family, there's unity. But if you've been a Christian for very long, if you've been in church for very long, unfortunately, there's probably been times where you've been part of a church for a season of time and it didn't feel very unified. It felt very, very uh, divided. It felt maybe even tense because people couldn't get along with one another. And that's so unfortunate. As believers, as, as, as children of God, we should have unity with one another. We should be loving one another. We should be making every effort to keep unity of the Spirit within our body. Why? Why is this a big deal? Why is this important? Well, Paul's going to point out to this church at Ephesus... He says, because we're one family, we're one body. Verse number four, there's one body. There's one spirit. Even as you're called in, in the hope of your calling, he's talking about our unity in Christ. He's talking about there's one body or the, 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 uh, referring to the church. He's like, we're one. We should be united. We should make every effort to keep unity because there's one Lord. There's one faith, one baptism. One God, the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So he's pointing out the need for unity. He's saying because you're family, you're in agreement with one another. Now that doesn't mean as Christians that we can't have um, some disagreement on, on maybe certain issues in Scripture that are unclear. And there's definitely room to have in-house discussions. And sometimes unbelievers and, and um, they'll try to point that out as 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 maybe an attack against christianity and say well see like you guys all believe different things anyway how do you know who's right well that's not exactly true as christians there are some fundamental core things that we all as believers agree on that the bible's very clear on we call it the fundamentals of our faith the fundamentals of our faith 
things like that, 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 that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again. Things like that the Bible is God's word. It is, we use the, 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 the phrase, it is inerrant or it is without error that God is, has given us his word. Things uh, that like Jesus was, was born of a virgin. Things like that his blood is what atones for our sins. Well, there are those things that we see clearly in scripture that all Christians do agree on. But that being said, uh, you know, there's things that maybe aren't as clear. And as Christians, we can have in-house discussions and even disagreements on some of those things. And that's okay. But ultimately, the Bible is our filter for what is truth. Well, Paul's saying this, be unified. Ha have, have love and, and unity and humility. Why? Because we're one family. We're one body. We should be getting along. I don't know if you're a parent, you've, you've had this conversation where maybe out of frustration, there are kids like, why can't you get along? We're one family. Well, because we're sinners, right? We're sinners by nature. And, and so there's that division. But yet in Christ, in Christ, we as a church need to understand that we should make every effort to keep unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's one thing I love so much about our church is like, I look forward to coming and being with, with my church family because there's that spirit of unity and love. And, and here's the thing, Paul's going to point out there's diversity though within that unity. That's okay. It doesn't mean we're clones of one another. It doesn't mean we're clones of one another. In fact, even though we're one church, we're one family, God has gifted us differently. And that's a good thing. God has gifted you in a way that I'm not gifted in. God's gifted the person next to you maybe in a different way. But here's the point. Those gifts are for us to build one another up. Those gifts are to encourage one another. Those gifts are so that the whole church can function as God wants it to function. And here's what's important. Because sometimes, sometimes people have the mentality, right? You know, right, rightfully so. It's just how maybe they've been taught or they've grown up where they come to church and they look at, well, there's like the pastors and maybe the deacons or maybe the, the Sunday school teachers and, and they're like this elite Christian status. And maybe one day I can achieve that eliteness. Well, that's not the picture we see in scripture. In scripture, in fact, we're going to look at it. Paul's saying, in fact, the, the purpose, one of the, the, one of the primary roles of a pastor is not to do all the work of ministry. Those pastors, we should be willing to do whatever needs to be done, right? We shouldn't have this, um, I, uh, this, this um, I guess, attitude of expectancy or entitlement where we think, oh, we're pastors, so everyone should serve us. That's not the picture we see in Scripture. As pastors, we should be ministers or servants and humble, right? We need to get away in America from the celebrity pastor status where uh, it, it's, just, it's a dangerous thing and can be a dangerous thing. Um, but that being said, as pastors, our job isn't primarily to do all the work of ministry. Our job is to, our job is to equip the church to understand that everyone in the church has a purpose. That God placed each and every one of us in the church for his unique purpose. So, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Sorry, but let's look at verse number seven. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So unity, right? This is an emphasis. Unity, we're one. But within that unity, within the body, God's gifted us differently. And let's be humble about the gift because it is just that. It's a gift. 
So we shouldn't be competitive about it. We shouldn't be rivals with one another. We should understand, no, we all have a purpose. God's gifted us differently. And it's a gift from him, so be humble. And now, these next verses can be somewhat confusing at just a quick reading of it. Because it almost seems like, well, what, what is the, the, the point of these next verses? Let's look at them. Verse number eight. So he's saying, right, unity, understand your identity in Christ, live in a way that's, that's, that, 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 that is equal to who you are in Christ, have an attitude of humility within the body, because we're one family, we're one body, there's one God, one Lord, there we have unity in Christ. And, but yet then he says, you're gifted, you have a unique gift. And then he says, wherefore he saith, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now this, verses 8, 9, and 10, this is a quote from back in the Old Testament. Paul is quoting a psalm in Psalm 68 where God's people are basically um, singing this victorious psalm after God had given them victory in leading them out of Egypt. And so he's quoting this as a victorious psalm. And he's saying, he that ascended um, is but that he also descended first to the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same that ascended up above, above all heavens that he might fill all things. So basically what he's saying is this right? He's quoting a victorious psalm. He's saying that Christ, God, God, the second person in the Trinity, right? There's God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. There's one God, but there's three distinct persons within that Trinity. That's a core fundamental belief as Christians. And he's like, well, I can't wrap my head around it. Exactly. Right. But, but we see that in scripture, our finite minds have a hard time understanding some of those truths of a God who is infinite, right? But we see, we see that God, the son, the second person in the Trinity descended. God, the son took on human flesh. It's called the incarnation. Jesus was born. He was born. He lived a righteous life, a life we could never live. He died in our place that we are sinners. We're separated from a holy God because of our sin, but yet God in his great love and grace, he came to this earth. He took on human flesh. He lived a righteous life that we couldn't live, that none of us could ever hope to live. And he died in our place on the cross. And then he died in our place. He rose from the dead victoriously, proving clearly, powerfully, emphatically that he was God. He rose again and then showed himself to, 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 to hundreds of, of, wit, of eyewitnesses, right? So we as Christians, we believe this by faith, right? But it's not a blind faith. There's historical evidence that matches our faith. A lot, I would argue, a lot of historical evidence that matches our faith. But Christ then ascended to heaven. And then it says he gave gifts to men. Well, the Holy Spirit, the third person in that Trinity, descended. And, and, and Jesus even talked about this with his disciples. Remember, right before he went to the cross, he's saying, look, at, it's needful that, that, that I die this death. This is needful that I then go away. 
because, he says then, the comforter or the helper, the, the one that comes alongside to help, talking about the Holy Spirit, is going to come and indwell you. He's going to give gifts to the church. So when Paul's quoting this psalm, he's talking about Christ victoriously coming to earth, living a righteous life, dying for our sins, raising from the dead, ascending back to heaven, and then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is going to descend. And the Holy Spirit is working and moving in lives and in His church. And the Holy Spirit has gifted you and gifted me. A, we call it a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift. And the purpose of that gift is to help build up and help mature the whole body or the whole church family. So what I'm proposing is this, that you and that I must understand, we as a church, it's not, it, we don't gather as an audience to be entertained, but as an army, a spiritual army to be empowered. That God has saved us for a purpose and he's gifted you. And that gift is unique. Like the person next to you may not have that same gift. But your gift is important within the local church. Because it is a team effort. And that's why Paul, I think, is pointing out in the first part of the chapter, the importance of understanding that unity. We're on the same team. But we have a different role. We're gifted differently. It goes on to say, Verse number 11, that he gave some apostles and prophets. We see the, 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 the prophets and how instrumental they were in the Old Testament where a prophet would, 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 God would speak to that prophet and that prophet would then speak to the people and he would, he would be able to, God would give him the words to speak and, and they would be able to, to even tell of things that were coming and happening. We see the apostles, they were the eyewitnesses of Christ, and they were gifted and they were foundational in the church being established and started. We see that those gifts, though there's certain aspects of those gifts that I think we still see today, it's not, in, it's not completely the same as it was then. Like, I don't believe that someone today can predict the future and see the future, but in the sense that the prophets in the Old Testament could. But as far as some of the aspects of speaking for Christ, right? Like God, God lists that gift of prophecy, of, of being able to proclaim the truth of God's word. The apostles, though there's no eyewitnesses alive today of the resurrected Christ, apostle it's one who is sent and God's still sending people and using people to plant churches and to do work of ministry but it's not the same as far as, as the apostolic gifts and powers of, that they would do to authenticate their message of being able to raise the dead and heal the sick. Now, we believe God, God is not limited to whatever he can do, amen? Like God is still working, he is still powerful, and we, and, and, and we need to understand the supernatural still takes place. God is working and moving. But those roles we see is the, the normative in the New Testament in our church that that those roles are different, but he's talking about apostles and prophets, the foundation of the church. And he gives some pastors and teachers. And he gives the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, right? The, the leaders within the local church for what purpose? 
verse number 12. For the perfecting or the completion, the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry. For the edifying. The word edify means to lift, to build up, to encourage. The edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we're not henceforth, that we're not children or immature. And tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. In other words, so we're not immature just believing anybody that says anything. God's given pastors and teachers and leaders to help equip the church and for the growing up, the maturing of believers. Because here's the thing, and I said this in the earlier service, I'm really thankful there's a lot of really good Bible teaching and good content online. I'm so thankful for that. And I try weekly, weekly to make a point to, 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 to access some of that because I want to constantly be growing in my knowledge, in my understanding of scripture, and I don't want to become complacent, and I don't want to just, well, I learned this, you know, 10 years ago in college, and that's good. No, I want to constantly, even as a pastor, right, I want to constantly be growing and understanding more and more of, of scripture, and I'm thankful for a lot of good content and teaching. However, let me let you in on something. Not everything on the internet is true. I know that's shocking, and not every person that opens a Bible and says that they're preaching truth is preaching truth. He says, look, there, there's people out there. They're cunning and crafty. And the whole purpose is that they are waiting to deceive people. Waiting to deceive people. There's false, there's false teachers and false preachers out there. And so that's why it's important to belong and have a local body with local pastors and teachers. Now, that being said, everything we as pastors say needs to be filtered through scripture, right? It needs to be filtered through the word of God because there's a whole lot of people saying a whole lot of things. And it's like, it's like, man, I don't know where they're getting that from, but it's not in the Bible when they're saying it. As long as they can say it so confidently and passionately, it's like, oh, is that, is that in there? Like, no, it's not, right? So everything needs to be filtered through Scripture. But the truth is this. It's important. It's important we have a local body, a local assembly. We have pastors and teachers that we know that we can sit down with, that we can talk with, that we have access, access to, not just someone online that we've never met. The church is important to have that accountability within the church. Why? Well, because there's false teachers and there's false preachers out there. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body, the church, right, is fitly joined together and compacted that by every joint, uh, that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In other words, every part of the body is important. Everyone within the church is important. And here's the big idea today. The big takeaway is this, that as a church, it's important that we understand this and that we know this, that we're not, we don't just gather as an audience to be entertained. We gather as an army that's to be empowered to do the work of ministry to do the work of ministry. And I've, I've, I've said this consistently. 
and, and you probably heard me, you're probably tired of hear, hearing me say this, but we, we talked from the very beginning, like as a church, at the, our very beginning, if, if it's just me and a few other handful of people that do all the work of the ministry, well, we're going to limit ourselves. We're going to limit ourselves. And ultimately, all growth, all growth comes from God. God's the one that gives the increase. And so it's not like this numbers game of, oh, how big can our church get? Like, that's, that's a bad motive. Um, but that being said, we also want to remove some of the human barriers that we put out. You know what a huge human barrier that a lot of churches put out? It's the mentality that the pastors do everything. And that might sound noble. And that might, you know, that might sound good for like, oh, well, that pastor, what a hard worker. And again, as pastors, we should be willing to do the lowest task. We should be willing. We need to get rid of this, this celebrity pastor status of just this attitude of entitlement and expecting everybody to serve us. No, as pastors, we should be humble. We should be serving. We should be willing to do anything that needs to be done, right? But, but also we need to remove the human barrier that as pastors, that we have to do everything. Because as pastors and teachers, Paul's saying this, they're given to the church. They're given to the church to equip the church to do the work of ministry. And that's something that I think our church really gets and understands. What's the phrase? Um, I feel like I'm speaking to the choir. Yeah, because I think our church understands this and gets this. But I want to continue to emphasize this and point this out. That every member, God has a purpose for you. God has gifted you in a way to use your gifting to help mature the church, to help build up the church. When, it's, when we're talking about building up, I don't mean by just gaining more people. Sometimes when we, we, we use that phrase, we think, oh, the, we got to build the church. We're talking about, well, we got to add a bunch more people. Now, yeah, absolutely. We, we want to be family and we want our church to to feel like there's that spirit of unity. But as, we, as I've said often, we always want people to know there's a, there's a place at the table, right? We're always wanting to be welcoming guests. We're a family, but we want people as they walk in our doors here at Crosspoint to know that there, there's, a, there's a place at the table for them, right? We're not, we're, we're not a club that's exclusive. Like we want to be inclusive and we want people to come to faith in Christ and become part of the family, amen? That should be our attitude. But that being said, when we're talking about building up, we're talking about our maturing, our growing in our faith, growing in our knowledge of Christ. And so what's so important is that all of us recognize that we're gifted. So the Bible lists many spiritual gifts. It lists it in Romans 12. It lists it here in Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, uh, Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 12, about the spiritual gifts that God has given. And there's some, um, I guess, con controversy or disagreement as far as, okay, are some gifts for today or some gifts just for a certain time? But basically, I think you can divide the spiritual gifts up into three. There were sign gifts that God gave for a specific purpose to, for the apostles to authenticate their message, right? They were able to raise the dead and heal the sick. Now, again, let me be very clear. Let me be very clear. God God is all-powerful and is working in supernatural ways. 
So please don't take this as, oh, I don't think God can work miracles. Of course God can work miracles. But what, we, what, what it seems like the normative at places now where the word of God is very prevalent, right, is that some of those, those sign gifts to authenticate the message, it's, it's not as normative. Um, you have sign gifts. You have speaking gifts, pastors and teachers, that, that God is gifted to be able to teach, to be able to speak the word of God. And then there's service gifts. And so here's what's important that we understand. You may not feel like you could ever get up and speak in front of a crowd. Like that might terrify you. Now here's the thing. If God calls you to do it, he's going to equip you and enable you to do it. Because um, I don't know of how many people, myself included, like have thought at one point, man, I could never get up and, and speak in front of people. Well, that's probably a good attitude because then we recognize, okay, it's God's the one. That, that empowers. God's the one that enables. But the reality is this. God's not called everyone to be able to stand up and, and preach and teach the word of God on a Sunday. But God has called you to do something. He has equipped you. And maybe your service gift is that of, 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 of serving in a way of like, you're not necessarily the person that has to be, you know, in front of people, but you get things done behind the scenes and you do it efficiently. And that gift is so important to the church. Again, whether we're gathering and what we do ministry in the four walls, the ministries we do outside of the walls to bless our city, to bless our community, to be involved, like serving servants. And again, to some degree, all of us should be willing to be servants, right? But there's some people that God just really gifts in a unique way where they can just get things done behind the scenes and they're totally content to just do those things behind it. Maybe God's gifted you in that way. Maybe God's gifted you with the gift we see in, uh, in, in, in Romans and Corinthians of, of exhortation. You're just an encourager. You build people up. And it's not just giving people a pep talk. Sometimes that's, sometimes that's you tell them the hard truth and it's more of challenging them than just encouraging them. But ultimately, challenging people to do the right thing ultimately will encourage them. Maybe that's your gift. That gift is mentioned in scripture of exhortation. And maybe people, they, when, when, when they leave after talking with you, they just feel so built up and encouraged, you know? Something, there's other people, right? You, you talk to them and you just feel depressed after talking to them. They probably aren't gifted with ex exhortation. But, but some of you have that gift. You just build people up. Some of you have the gift of mercy, where you just have a heart to help hurting people. Now, as believers, all of us should have that attitude, right? Where we're willing to help people that are hurting. But some of you, you have that, that specific gift. And you could listen to someone for hours and, and you feel that empathy, that compassion. It just seems like God sends a lot of broken people to you and, and you have just a way of, of, of showing that mercy. Now, others of you, after five minutes of talking to someone that's pouring their heart out, you're drained. All right. Well, that, you may not, you may not be gifted with that specific gift. And again, all of us should be patient and loving and, and willing to be merciful. Maybe your gift is that of the gift of mercy. You help hurting people. Maybe it's for you the gift of giving. All of us should be willing to contribute and, 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 and you know, get our hands dirty and to do what's needed to be done. But there's no doubt as we look around in our churches, God has given pe some people that gift of giving where it seems like the, the resources that God has provided as, as he's given to people as a way to, 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 to give tremendously, to put their resources into the kingdom of God. And, 
and maybe that's, maybe that's your gift. You know, the point is that maybe it's a different gift. Romans talks about that of ruling or like leading, administrating. Maybe you're super organized. And there's areas where you see and, and, and you know it's your gift because when you see things aren't organized, it drives you crazy. You're like, man, why can't these clowns get their act together and figure this out? And maybe because you have, that, that's your gift. You're an administrator, right? You just, you're organized. The point is this, God's gifted us differently, right? There's unity. We're one, we're one family, we're on the same team, but we're all gifted we're all gifted in different ways. And you know what's so encouraging to me as a pastor? To see this lived out. To, to see like just how, not just our Sunday gathering, but all that we're able to do within our community. All that is a church that's able to get done because everyone has a role. And everyone sees, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of this. Because once again, right? We don't just gather, we're entertained and go home. No, we gather we gather to grow, to encourage one another, to learn the word of God. But it's like, it, it's like the huddle. It's like the team huddle where we gather and hopefully get some encouragement, get some direction, have some organization. But then it's to go out and do the work of ministry because God's equipped each of us differently. God's called all of us to evangelize the people that don't know Christ, right? To give the gospel out. Yeah, he's gifted some people with the, with the gift of prophecy, like they just can speak in a way that's very compelling and it's very effective. But the reality, God's put people in your life that aren't believers and it's for you to be able to, to share Christ with them. And it's not just about us, you know, trying to like do a sales pitch and, and you know, to talk someone into something. No, it's gotta be God working on the heart. God's the one that does the work, but we're the tool that God uses to speak the gospel. So I have a, a, a really good friend and he was, um, he was actually in law enforcement for a while. And then he was in ministry for a while. And now he's doing a combination of both. He's part-time, works part-time in a church, works part-time in a church, and he works part-time in law enforcement in the community that he's in. And this is so interesting because he told me this. He said, I've had more gospel opportunities from working my job in law enforcement. You know, he's got a captive audience, I guess, when they're in the back of the squad car. No, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't, know, what, I don't know specifically what he, was, what he was talking about. But he said that God's given me more gospel opportunities at my job outside of the church than inside. And you know, that struck me. And I got to thinking really about that's, that's our story. Now, again, as a pastor, I'm always looking for ways to connect with people outside of our church. And I want to always have spend time with people that are unbelievers that are outside the four walls of the church. But the reality is this, our story of the people that have come to faith in Christ and been baptized here at Crosspoint, you know what the initial contact was? It wasn't me. It was your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, right? And then you were the one that God used. Again, it's all, all glory goes to God, but God used you to maybe invite a friend or coworker. God used you. You came to faith in Christ and then shared your story with a family member, with a friend. And then they came and, and, and what's so awesome is seeing people come to faith in Christ and are baptized here at Crosspoint and, and the people in the audience who invited them not too long ago 
came to faith in Christ and were baptized. The, the point is this. The point is this. That you know what? You don't have to have necessarily the gift of, of teaching or be a pastor to be involved in ministry. Because God's called all of us to ministry. God's called all of us to ministry. And again, I thank God for, it seems like what is calling for me is to, for the rest of my life, I hope God gives me a long life and good health. And if he does, I think it's the, the, the pastor Crosspoint Baptist, to plant churches here in the Quad Cities. That's what I'm passionate about. I don't feel like God's, again, ultimately, you know, God could change that. But ultimately, my desire is to, to, to do a lot of years of ministry here at Davenport and to equip our church and then send people out to plant multiple churches in the Quad Cities. And I hope God lets me do that for a long time. But here's the thing, God, God, God probably hasn't called you to do that exact same thing, but he has called you to be a part in church planting. God has called you to be a part of evangelizing and your role looks different than mine. And what I'm saying is that's okay. That's actually a really good thing. It's a really good thing because God's put people in your life that I'm not going to have an audience with. God's put people in your life. I'm, I'm not going to be, and again, I'm happy to speak with them or meet with them. If you ever think that they would want to sit down and talk with me, of course, I'm willing to do it. But the point is this, there might be people, they would, they would not want to do that, but they would sit down and have a conversation with you. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm not equipped to do that. Well, I promise you, we'll help you get to that point where you do feel equipped. And ultimately, it's not about me equipping you. It's about God and, 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 and the Holy Spirit working in your life. But we want our church to understand that you, each and every one of you, have a part and a place within the local church. And I encourage you, and again, I know our church gets that and understands that, but I want to encourage us to see that, that as our vision of Crosspoint is, yes, to see a lot more people come to faith in Christ and to plant other churches in the Quad Cities, but look, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen if just a few people do work of ministry. That happens when the whole church, the whole body recognizes, okay, God's got some, God's got a specific place for me within the church. God's called me to evangelize some people that he's placed in my life. And it's important we understand that because Paul's saying this, again, unity and, and harmony, we're one church, we're one family, but we're gifted differently. We're gifted differently. The pastors, the, 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 the teachers, the leaders within the church, our primary responsibility is, yes, teaching and preaching the word of God, uh, praying for our church, being there for our church, but it's also to help equip our church to do work of ministry. So please don't think, don't think, well, if I, you know, become a pastor or a deacon or a teacher in one of the classes, or then I'm, then I'm, I'm doing real ministry. Oh, no, no, you're doing real ministry if you're following what God is leading you to do within the local church. If you're serving the place where God has gifted you in and following his leading in that area. So I encourage you with that as a church because it's exciting to see all that God's doing here at Crosspoint. But it's important that we recognize that, that look, it is, we are one team, one church, but God has gifted us differently and God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. If you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, God has a place for you within the church. And, and maybe you are today. And as I said at the beginning, you're, you're not a follower of Christ. Like you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Like we're really glad that you're here. And our desire for you is that you will come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ.
And, and maybe you're here today and, and you've been thinking about that. And, and God's been speaking to you about that. You know, don't, don't leave today. Don't leave today without talking with someone. And maybe you don't want to have a long conversation today, but, but maybe you want to set up a time to talk with myself or, or one of the other pastors or, so, or someone here. Maybe just the, someone that you connect with here. And, and I would, I, my, my, my desire for you would be that you, that you would not ignore that if God's speaking to you. If you'd recognize that God, God has a purpose for you and God loves you and he wants to save you. Maybe today's the day that you just surrender to him and put your faith and trust in him as your savior.